I, mean, I wonder today how many worshipers have I here that have come to honor the great name of the Lord, our God. Oh, my, those songs, they have carried the church through some of the most difficult times in all of history. But it was the Lord in His presence who anointed those great songwriters. And they penned from the depths of their hearts. They touched the very depths of our emotions. Hallelujah. Listen, that's a song everybody knows. Amen. And the Bible tells us when we worship God, that we are adding worth to His value. I said many years ago, don't tell, don't tell God about your problem. Tell your problem who your God is. Can I get one witness in this house? Amen. So don't bellyache and cry and complain to God about the problem. Understand that God is greater than the problem. Amen. I wonder how many came today with their heart fixed on worshiping God. Amen. Pastor, what about praise? Well, praise is something we do because of the things God has done. How many that God brought through a difficult week this week? Can I see a wave offering? Say, Lord, I just came today to give you praise. Amen. Amen. How many this week just faced some obstacles, some barriers that the enemy said, hey, you're at a dead end. And you may as well throw your hands in the air and give up. But then you heard the word of God, Brother Wesley, say, if I be for you, who can be against you? You heard the word of God when he said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So today I declare that we are going forward together in spite of the setbacks, in spite of the barriers, even barricades that the enemy has erected in our life. You are not at a dead end. As a matter of fact, if anything, this morning, I would tell you that you need to yield to the presence of the living God and just seek Him for direction in your life. I know that Harvest Church can sing. Can y'all sing? That was so weak. Come on, y'all. I said, I know that Harvest Church can sing. Pretty difficult with a mask? Oh, yeah. Brother Jerry raised both his hands. Praise the Lord, you can sing. So I want to do, I want to do a course of that. And I want everybody to sing. Come on. I mean, I don't, I don't want a praise team to, 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 to flood you over. But I want to hear you sing today in the presence of the Lord. And I mean, I need to hear you sing like you're convicted of what you're singing about. That He is great. And that He's greatly to be praised. And that with every breath that's within us, we're going to give Him praise. Amen. How many are with me on this one? Come on, saints. John, you ready? Amen. Let's sing it together. Amen. Then sings my
Yeah, come on, give it up for Jesus in this place. Lord, you are great. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you so much, praise the Lord. testimony our brother hallelujah the most powerful compelling emotion created that was God given unto man and that was that of love it is studies and scientific evidence that has proven the two basic needs of humanity and that is to be loved and to belong amen so thank you this morning for gracing our presence here at Harvest Church on Super Sunday Amen. Everybody said Super Sunday. Some of us were brave enough to wear our team colors, even though they're not in the Super Bowl. But every day is super in the Lord. Amen. I just thought it would give us a, an opportunity to be expressive a little bit. Amen. And it's okay. It's okay to root for our respective teams because we came together today as the body of Christ to form one team. Y'all missed that. Do I need to rewind and say that again? We came together today as one team, the corporate body of Christ. And it's the Bible that tells us that we are members in particular. It's not a chance or a circumstance that you have gathered here today, but it's you, you have done so at the prompting of God and the presence of God of his Holy Spirit. You're a good looking bunch today, might I add. Praise the Lord. I had a gentleman that several months ago said, Pastor, when you least expect it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to surprise you. Now we go a long way back, even from the time that I was a, a small boy. He doesn't have me too many years. But even from the time I was a, a small boy, I, I loved the passion this young man had for God and for music and song. And I remember as a, a small child witnessing the power of God move upon him so strongly that it was unmistakably. There was no denying 
it was anything but the Lord. And I've grown over time, brother buddy, to experience God's power and God's presence in those ways. I told a group of guys as we baptized over 90 people a few years ago in one afternoon. Some of those folks were just rejoicing. They were shouting all around in that water. And One guy, he just wanted to be the guardian of everybody. So he was kind of hovering around. I said, listen, I said, let me help you. Called him to the side and I said, let him go. I said, if it's the Spirit of God, they're going to be okay. But now I can assure you that I felt every cypress stump walking into this body of water that there was. And if it ain't Jesus, hello, y'all. I said, if it ain't Jesus, when they hit one of those stumps, everybody's going to know it. So that particular morning, I saw this young man under the power and presence of God. And he just shouted. I mean, just the power of God was so overwhelming. And he told me, he said, when you least expect it, I'm going to surprise you one Sunday morning. Brother Ronnie Hunt, thank you, brother. Amen. God bless you. It's a joy to see you today in the house of the Lord. And from wherever that you would normally attend worship services, thank you today for gracing our presence here at Harvest Church. And we have a policy around here. And that policy is, is that nobody... Nobody is a visitor. Okay? You say, well, Pastor, if we're not visitors, well, then what are we? You're our special guest. And we're honored to have you worship. Harvest, can you show them some love today? Amen. Thank you for being here. Well, you can probably tell by now I'm amped up. I'm ready to preach the word of the Lord. After a awesome praise and worship that ushers us into the very presence of God I want to minister a few verses in your hearing found in the love chapter of the Bible 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 if you will stand as we acknowledge the word of the Lord together 1 Corinthians chapter 13 this is a commonly used passage of scripture especially with regard to candidates who are about to embark on that wonderful life journey called holy matrimony or marriage. So this is something we always resort to in so counseling. And the word of the Lord reads, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Love never fails. God, we thank you for your word we thank you that it was penned for our observance 
that it serves as a compass to navigate us through this life. We need your anointing to rest upon your ministered word today that it would bring substance to the lives of all hearers, both present and abroad. In Jesus' name, God's church shouted amen and amen. You might be seated here in the Lord's presence. Hallelujah. For the past several weeks, we've been ministering on the subject of love. And so today, I wanted to continue that. February is the month of love. We have, guys, don't forget, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. So don't forget those expressions of our love for our significant others. But man, isn't love challenging to define? Because the world tells us that love is an intense feeling of deep affection. We understand that biblically love is an act of the will. Love is a choice. Love demands a sacrifice. Now listen, it involves affection, it involves compassion, love involves care and self-sacrifice. So again, it is pretty challenging for us to define love. Defining love really depends upon how individuals experience love. Would it be safe to say that? And it can range from benevolent concern to brotherly loyalty. Love can range from sexual attraction to even worshipful adoration. So it solely depends upon how an individual experiences love. Well, pastor, how can I better understand love? We can better understand love by going to the origin of love. And the scriptures tell us that the origin of love is God. Hallelujah. But not only is God the origin of worship saints of God. He is the originator of love. Oh my. And God is the orchestrator of all love. We're familiar with several Greek terms that speak of the word love. But it has a Hebrew counterpart. In other words, the Bible was mostly written in Hebrew and or Greek. Some Aramaic, but mostly those two primarily. And so in the Hebrew, we are often misinformed with words that talk about love. So I wanted to take a few moments just to tell us uh, some of those words that mean love. In the Hebrew, yada is the equivalent to the Greek eros. And that's an erotic love. That's the kind of love that a man has for his wife. Then we have the Hebrew word ababa, which means brotherly love. It connects directly to the Greek word phileo. And what great example of brotherly love do we see than that of Jonathan and David recorded in 1 Samuel. The Bible tells us that they loved so, uh, uh, each other so much, it was as if their souls were, were knitted together. Phileo, brotherly love. Also in the Hebrew, that word ababa connects with the Greek word storge, which is a love that expresses 
an individual's love for his family. It, it expresses tribal love. It indicates deep affection. But the most common Greek word for love that we are familiar with is the word agape. Anybody remember the word agape? Okay, there is a, a Hebrew word uh, that is the equivalent, and that Hebrew word is chesed, C-H-E-S-E-D. That is the equivalent of the Greek word agape. This is often translated as steadfast love. It's a love that's unwavering. It's a love that is fixed in place. It's a love, glory to God, that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now I want to serve notice on you today. It's not the kind of love you fall in overnight. Somebody missed a good place to shout. I heard somebody groan in the spirit just then. I'm sure I did. But how many of us know that we don't fall into agape love in an instant? We have to better familiarize ourselves with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to understand this form of love. Because agape love is a selfless, unconditional love. Unconditional means not limited by condition. Now, I received a quote last week after the morning service, and uh, the donor, the author of this quote, remains anonymous. But I promise you that many people would love to take credit for what they said. I don't know if it was male or female. But as I listened to it, and Brother Anthony, as I read it over and over, oh, it resonated in my spirit. And the quote states, true love is neither physical or romantic. For true love is an acceptance of all that is, that has been, that will be, and will not be. I said, who can love like that but God? Who can love like that but God? Friend, I'll say to us today that we're capable of this form of love only through God. Only through God. So I would, I would love to title today's message, Love Is. You can fill in the blank. Because how we love depends on how we've experienced love. But the scriptures tell us that love is God and God is love. For everything that anyone knows about real true love is established in the character and the nature of God himself and no other. The world is incapable of love like the love of God. For the word of God tells us that the world loves who? The Bible says the world loves its own. But Jesus said, I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that hate you and curse you and despitefully use you. Who can love like that outside of Jesus? I'm, I'm ready for all volunteers. Because we're incapable of love. Like that. It only comes through God. John 4 and 8 says, He who does not love does not know God. For God 
is love. Oh my, I said earlier, not only is God the origin of love, He's the originator and the orchestrator of all that is true love. Pastor, how can you say that with such confidence? Because unlike us, God didn't just say it to hear it come off His lips. God proved His love. How did God prove his love? John 3 and 16, Romans 5 and 8, the greatest demonstration of God's proven love ever displayed to the human race. God didn't just say it, he did it. It was a choice. It was God acting out of his will to extend love to us in this manner. Let me tell you something about the amazing love of God. God's love never conflicts with his holiness. God's love never conflicts with his justice. It never conflicts with his righteousness. This one will blow your mind. God's love never even conflicts with his anger or his wrath. God never lets his love get in the way. And when God executes judgment on us, it's still rooted in love. Isn't that a blessing? What does the Bible tell us about God chastening his children whom he loves? Chastening means that we, we receive discipline. And then the scripture encourages us, Brother Jonathan, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. For whom the Lord loves, he also chasteneth. You didn't understand that to save your life when your parents said, I'm doing this because I love you. You could not. Love don't do this. That's what I said. Ain't no way. No. No. Time out. Uh-uh. Time in. Yeah. I, 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 I was hoping somebody would blow the whistle. But the truth of the matter is, they loved you. And they wanted to point you in the right, God help me, in the right direction. Come on, saints of God. So if we today embrace the ideology or mindset, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to raise my children like my parents raised me. We are deviating from the, the manual. We are, we are opting out of the plan of God because the Bible tells us in the, in the wise sayings of Solomon in the Proverbs, the Bible tells us that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from it. Amen. Thought I'd add that one for free. Oh my. But love is an attribute of God. Love is a quality. It's a feature. It's a, a, a characteristic that is inherent to his nature. Don't we serve an awesome God? There's nothing we can do that would cause God never not to love us. Isn't that powerful? I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. Gary Chapman. But Dr. Gary Chapman is an author, well-known speaker, and a counselor. He currently serves as a senior associate pastor at Calvary Baptist Church right here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. This guy's been on talk shows the world over. But Gary wrote a pretty popular book back in the early 1990s, and it is still a good read. Still a bestseller. That book is called The Five Love Languages. The secret to love that lasts. And what Dr. Chapman talks about are the ways that people both give and receive love. And he suggests that this happens in five different ways. 
Now, as I journey through them, and I'm just going to take a brief moment to do this, I'm going to encourage you to buy the book. Read the book in your leisure. It'll be a blessing. But Dr. Chapman is saying that we function as human beings in five different love languages. You got this? Boys, I'm going to tell you this will bless you. Some of you guys strutting around here like the king, that's because you made mama the queen. I'm smart too. I'm smart too. I didn't just crawl out from under a rock. But praise the Lord, Dr. Chapman says that this happens via five different communications. One is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Define that for me, Pastor. Those are spoken or written words that comfort, that support, and, and, and that uplift. You boys want to feel your love tank. Look at them. They shy, acted all bashful. You, you, you want to feel the love tank? You say, honey, you look great today. Those are words of affirmation. That was a great dinner you prepared last evening. Yeah, that might be her love language. Got to move on. Don't have time to dwell here. Another is acts of service. Acts of service are best described as doing something that your spouse would like. I don't know about many of you guys, but, but, but in our house, both myself and my wife, uh, we work and uh, stay, stay pretty busy. So we don't si- assign each other chores. We just kind of jump in there together and work it out. You understand? Now, when I was little, my parents made me wash dishes. So now that I'm grown and married and have a family and responsibilities, I can still wash dishes. Matter of fact, when we constructed our home, we're going to pick out appliances, and the young lady says, "Uh, what color appliances would you like? My wife begins to voice her concern, and then she says, what color is your dishwasher? My wife said, it's brown. (laughs) She's looking around, well, how about well, how about the garbage disposal? It's brown, too. And that's, that's because that's me. Praise the Lord. I'm not above that. Guys, you want to speak her language? Perform acts of service. Do the dishes. Wash the clothes. Amen. Uh, water her flowers. Vacuum the floors. Hello, somebody. I'm going to speak more from a man's perspective because I are one. How about that? Amen. Uh, if I give some of you ladies this mic, you could probably uh, you could probably formulate this list of other things that would be considered as acts of service. But for the sake of time, we're not going to open that, can we? Another love language is gifts. Oh boy, everybody likes uh, gifts to be their love language. But let me say something. Dr. Chapman says this is the most commonly misunderstood and misinterpreted of all five love languages because here's what the world does the world paints us this beautiful vivid picture of how warming and how receptive uh, that our significant other our spouses will be if we shower them with extravagant gifts pricey gifts can I help you guys It's not all about the price tag. Hallelujah. Pastor, you better preach now. 
tell you, it, it, it's not all about the price tag. What it is all about is this. It's all about the thought. It's about the effort. It's about the care in the selection that really speaks volumes to your spouse. Amen. I got, boys, y'all in trouble. I didn't heard a few of these sisters say that's right or amen. Y'all, y'all, I got both barrels cocked. Now y'all in some serious trouble. Man, you get the support of a woman in church, buddy Roe. You take on hell with a water gun. I'm just saying. Praise the Lord. So some of you are going to go home today and you're, you're going to look at this list and you're going to think, hmm. Which language am I speaking? Can I move on? Some of y'all are like, no, take your time. Stop there. Just whoa. I'm talking about love is. Okay? How about quality time, girls? I got a few more amen. Quality time. That's my love language. Quality time centers around togetherness. Quality time focuses on expressing your love to each other with undivided attention. Ooh, my Lord, who wouldn't appreciate some of that? Amen. There are times you have to tell your spouse, put the phone down. I heard a man, I heard a deep voice right I heard a deep voice right I know I'm, hey, look, I know I'm in the pot. I might not be what's cooking, but I'm in the pot. How about tell your spouse, turn the TV off. Oh, Lord, I want to spend some quality time with you. I heard one sister say, cut that ball game off. Praise the Lord, somebody. And what, what, what does this do? It promotes focusing upon each other. Oh, yeah, I can see you now. Any, many, many, many. Which one is my love? Which, which, which one is my love language? One more, one more, and I'm going to shift gears. How about physical touch? Dr. Chapman says physical touch is the fifth love language. Listen, folks, God created us in his image and in his likeness. It's through the writer Paul that he tells us that we have not a high priest who is not touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So God created us with the emotions that we have. And God understands how we're wired. Somebody say amen. So what, what about the love language of physical touch? That's defined as a nonverbal language that lets others know just how much they are cherished. People can know you love them without you saying a word. Just your physical touch can speak volumes in the heart of a person. That's convinced that they are loved. Listen to what Dr. Chapman says. He says it's crucial to our health and well-being as human beings. You can take this up with him. But he said touching and hugging. He said man that'll overfill your love tank. Come on saints of God. Amen. Ah uh, yeah. I, I, think, I think I got all the love languages. Somebody shout glory. Yeah. Pastor, why is this significant? It's significant because educating ourselves about the complexity of human nature helps us understand exactly how we're wired. Over 7 billion people on the planet and no two are alike. So how much does that help us? Love is God. 
and God is love. I'm pretty upfront. Some people might even say that I'm blunt. Some people might even say, Brother John, that I'm abrasive when I tell people, if you don't know God, you don't know love. Is that true? That's a true saying. Because love, Brother John, doesn't originate anywhere else except in the person of God. So to know Him is to know love. Do you know that the love of God is merciful? The love of God is merciful. I want to start this off by saying that God's mercy is bigger than any mistake you've ever made. That's right. I don't want you to get mercy and grace confused, so I'm going to share with you what they are. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Anybody in here ever got what you didn't deserve? Brother Mike said he's here today because he got what he didn't deserve. What's the short definition of the word grace, Pastor? Unmerited favor. What's favor? Divine approval. Anybody here been blessed with unmerited favor? Oh, it'll be a good place for you to have a little class participation right here. It's because of God's grace. How about mercy? Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Woo! Man, I need to take a 10-minute praise break right there. 10 minutes, yes. Oh, we need to shout down that we did not get what we deserve. What's the short definition of that? The judgment and wrath of God. We didn't get the judgment and wrath of God. We rightfully deserved it because our sins had separated us, had created distance between us and God. But God loved us so much that he spared us. Oh, praise the Lord. Don't y'all shout me down now. But the mercy of God is bigger than any mistake you've ever made. Let me tell you something about the love of God. God's love is extended to the whole world. His benevolence is extended, Brother Ernie, to the whole world and not just Christians. Really? Yes. The love of God covers the whole world. What did Romans 5, 8 tell us? God commended or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. God, God sent Jesus to die for you and you weren't even saved. I wasn't saved. Well, we're not saved to the end. But we hadn't experienced salvation. It was only possible through the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I preach? I'm trying to finish. I'm trying to finish here. The Bible tells us that God is patient. Now, as Christians, that's, that's a gift that many of us lack. Patience. We live in a virtual microwave society. We want it yesterday. That's just how it goes. But thank God that the Lord is patient. Honey, how about 2 Peter 3 and 9? 2 Peter 3 and 9, the word of God states, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How many of y'all know we're living right now in a grace period? 
We're living in a grace period. Pastor, what does that mean? It means that God is granting the lost an opportunity to confess their sins, repent thereof, and receive the glorious gift of salvation only made possible through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say to us that God's love, amen, is a love that justifies sinners, but it's not extended to all, only those who believe. Only those who believe, Romans 5, 1. The Bible says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified means pronounced not guilty. Can somebody say that justified means I am forgiven? Have I any forgiven folk in the house of God today here at Harvest because of the love of Jesus Christ? We've been forgiven because... Of God's great love. Now here's a question you've asked yourself thousands of times in your existence. But why? But why does God love us? Why does God love me? I'm not sure there's a human being that walks the face of this planet. Or has ever walked it. That can sufficiently answer that question. I believe again we have to resort to the word of God. Man, this will bless you. You might need to buckle your seatbelt right here. Ah, this will bless you. He didn't love me because I was lovable. Ooh, man, I feel his presence. Hallelujah. Mm. He didn't love me because I deserved it. Oh, my, my, my. We live in a world today where people feel so entitled. People feel like uh, they've got a right to believe and, and stake their claim to how they... Be. Let me tell you one thing today, saint of God. God didn't love you because you were lovable. He didn't love us because we were deserving. No, 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 no. And Brother Bullet, there was nothing we could ever done and still nothing we can ever do that would make us even worse worthy to receive the love of God and that says something when he sent Jesus even while we were still sinners to die for us amen or oh me God's love is merciful that means it's compassionate that means the love of God is forgiving somebody ought to thank God amen for the love of God I want to tell you one thing sin had far removed us from the love of God but this is what the Bible said in 1 John 4 in 16 God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him God doesn't just love he is love he is love let me tell you what it does. Love, love spreads throughout the essence of God's being. Amen. It spreads, it permeates throughout his being. It soaks and saturates all other attributes, including God's anger and his wrath. The Bible says it's because of his faithfulness that we are not already consumed. Didn't the Bible tell us? That his mercies are renewed every morning. Some, somebody feeling real liberated, just raise one hand. Just say, "Woo, I'm so glad. 
I'm so glad today that God's mercies are renewed every single morning. Hallelujah. That he wipes the slate clean and we begin all over again. Not once a week, but every single morning. I wish I could preach this like I feel it. You see, I want to tell you that, that the love of God, amen, it surpasses anything our human minds can comprehend. I said last week that Christianity is the only faith whose deity reached down to humanity. Process that. There's no other faith in the world whose deity gave up his position in heaven to come to earth in the form of a bondservant, born as a baby, to connect with humanity because he loved us. Because he loved us. Preacher, don't ask. Don't, preacher, don't, don't, don't tell me to explain that. I, I'm not sure I can. All we need to do is resort to his word. Because when we resort to his word, then we understand. This is what love is. And this is what love does. Love distinguishes Christianity from all other forms of faith that exist in the world. A guy said to me, he said, uh, I embrace a particular type of faith that teaches and so on and so forth. And he began to say, our, 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 our book is just like your Bible. I said, no, it's not. I said, no, it's not just like my Bible. And I'm going to give you one to prove it. And he said, our prophet is just like your prophet. I said, no, no. Woo, glory to God about that prophet. Amen. He said, our prophet's like your prophet. I said, Jesus wasn't a prophet. Jesus was the only begotten son of God. I said, Jesus was not just a man. He was not some ordinary human being. The Bible said he was the only begotten of the Father. Somebody said, what does that mean? Is he the only boy God had? No, but he's the only one of his kind. Can I get one witness, somebody? He's the only one that came to earth as a spotless, unblemished lamb to die for the sins of the world. I go on to say to this young fellow, I love you in the love of the Lord, but I want you to journey now to the tomb of Muhammad, and I'm sure you're going to find some carnage there. I'm sure you're going to find a remnant of he that was. But the Bible tells me that early in the morning, on the third day of the week, there went Mary and Martha to the place where they laid the Lord. And the Bible said there was an angel in white apparel that met them on their way. The Bible said that angel spoke and clearly stated, I know whom you, Holy Ghost, help me. I know whom you seek, but before you get there, I need to tell you, he has risen. He's not there. Just like he said, he got up. Somebody said it was them three rusty nails, uh, Brother Arbus, that bound him uh, to a cross. I want to report to you here today that it was love and nothing more that caused Jesus to forfeit his life and the splendor of heaven to die for your sins. And mine. Yeah. Amen. Love. I said to that brother now. Now tell me if I'm speaking the truth or not. I said but the Bible said. There was a conspiracy theory. And some of them said. I know what's happened. In the wee hours of the morning. He sent them disciples. 
And they graved. They robbed that grave. They grave robbers. They robbed that. But the Bible said, Brother John, they rolled a big old stone. A big old stone up at the door, and they put four quaternions of soldiers there to guard him. You know what a quaternion is? It's four soldiers at one time, and they put four, they put a total of 16 men in charge of guarding the tomb of Jesus. But the word of the Lord tells me when they went running to that tomb. They saw the grave clothes. Oh, glory to God. And they saw the napkin that was placed about his face. Anybody understand what that means? Huh? It was still in place. Now, if that napkin would have looked like this, it would have meant it's finished. Oh, glory to God. Woo! It would have meant it's finished. But because it was still in place, Jesus was saying, it's not over. I need to tell somebody here at Harvest Church today, it's not over. It's not over. For the stone's been rolled away and the tomb is empty. Now, folk, I want to close by bringing some things to your mind. I want to tell you that we live in a dark world. I want to tell you there are still some hidden, suppressed things that exist in us as human beings. Holy Ghost, help me. That only God and the power of the Holy Ghost can break over your life. Are you listening to me? Because I want to say that love is blind. Love is blind. Not only is God love and God merciful, but love. Love is blind. You said, Pastor, you told us earlier that love was an intense feeling of deep infection. That love was an act of the will. That love was a choice. You told us that love demanded a sacrifice. That it involved affection and compassion and care and self-sacrifice. Yes, the former, the world's definition. The latter, the scripture's version of what love is. Can I tell you that we live in a hostile world? We live in a world filled with hatred. Amen, somebody. The songwriter said what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Can I say that how the world and the Bible portray beauty comes from two totally different perspectives? Hello? Two totally different perspectives. Young lady, let me tell you, the world standard of beauty falls well below that of the scriptures. Well below. Look at Proverbs 31, 30. Yeah, that's the chapter of the virtuous woman. But listen what verse 30 says. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting ah. but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised fellas you need to get you a wife like that hmm? come on y'all amen I said you need a wife like that 
One that is not so tangled up with presenting her outer beauty. But one, ah, ah, woo, glory to God. Woo, you ever heard that saying, beauty is skin deep. Everybody wants eye candy. Come on, y'all. I know I'm in the, I, I know I'm preaching. I know I'm preaching now. Everybody wants eye candy. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with, with desiring an attractive wife. Nothing wrong with that. I can tell you something in this room right now, and you boys ain't going to say too many amens, but a bunch of us married up. <laughs> Some of those guys chuckle. Some of them like it. You better be glad I got this mask on. I said, some of us married up. We ought to thank God. But ladies, if you want a husband, Bishop T.D. Jake said, walk like a wife. Walk like a wife. God will send you a husband. Because in this hostile world in which we live, there are a number of things that aren't as they appear. You hear me? People crowd churches every Sunday morning filled with hatred. People crowd churches all over this country filled with prejudice. I know I'm preaching. You ain't got to say amen. But I know I'm preaching today. But the Bible paints a very vivid picture of a woman who is spiritually mature. Spiritual maturity is not something that fades away with time. Thank the living God. In the hostile world in which we live, people present one thing but embrace another. Oh, it's better preaching than you're responding, but I know I'm in the soup this morning. There's a word that I researched that it's defined as the general dislike of other people. It's misanthropy. Misanthropy is the general dislike of other people. And let me tell you something. There are folks walking around calling themselves children of God that have these attitudes. I might as well preach now. I want to tell you it's not of God. I want to tell you that it's, it's a part of our old sin nature. It's not a part of who we are after we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We got folks who say they won't shop different businesses because they're owned by other people. Come on, somebody. I know I'm in the soup this morning, uh, whether it's liking to your taste or not. I know I'm talking to somebody in this room, and hatred exists in our heart. We have a dislike for other people. We think we're superior uh, to them. But I want to report to us today that God helps us understand that this attitude is the opposite of love. If we love God, we're going to love people. I said if we love God, not just say it, but if we love God, we're going to love people. Somebody shout amen. 1 John 4 and 20, what does it tell us? If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For who? For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, get this, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? 
Can I, can I finish that for you? It's impossible. It's impossible. You can't do it. And as human beings, we're incapable of it. Discrimination. Oh, my God. Pastor, do you mean that discrimination exists in the lives of the people of God? I have well said. Discrimination does exist in the lives of some individuals who call themselves the people of God. But let me help you understand something. Amen. God is not a discriminator. God is not prejudiced in his treatment of people based on their race, based on their age, based on their disabilities, based on their sex. God is not discriminatory in any way against people. You say, how can you say that? I want to tell you something. We were all made in the image and in the likeness of God. The Bible tells us that in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. There is only one race and that race is the human race. That's right. Stand with me all over this house. Love is blind. There's another word that exists that I want to highlight. That word is ethnocentrism. Ethnocentrism. And that is the belief that one's ethnic group is superior to all others. One of the greatest examples of that was that of Adolf Hitler. Mein Fuhrer. That's right. The leader of the Nazi party. who tried to annihilate all Jews. He had a following. Scores of people bought into his ideology. But I want you to know that this contradicts Scripture. And it has no place among the people of God. Not then, not now, and not ever. Can I get an amen, somebody? You want to see the most segregated time in America on Sunday morning? Go to church. Go to church. You'll see the most segregated time in America. But don't ask me what kind of church we have. Because the church doesn't belong to us. The church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for it. And he built it on his love. And everybody's welcome here. Amen. Regardless of your race, ethnicity, cultural background, hallelujah to God. We are all one in the same in the Lord Jesus Christ who is love and is the perfect embodiment of love. If love could take on a personal body and a personality, it would be in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. These things have no place in the church of the living God. Listen to what the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 10 and 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. The great God, mighty and awesome. I want you to underline this. Who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. Now listen, you might say, Pastor, did these things exist before now? Yeah, they existed before now. Didn't the Jews think they were special? Didn't they, didn't they say, Brother Anthony, we're the seed of Abraham. We're special. But I want to tell you that he came to die for the Jew and the Greek. Jesus came to die for the, 
for the free and the bond. Amen. He came to die, hallelujah to God, for all of humanity, regardless of where we came from. We all originated in the image and likeness of God. He did not die for one race. Jesus Christ did not die for one culture or for one tribe. Jesus came uh, through that through himself that the whole world might be saved, period. The whole world. Galatians 3 and 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Do you see the barriers that are destroyed right there in that verse? Can you see it? There are at least three of them. There are three barriers that are destroyed in that one verse. Racial, social, and gender barriers are abolished. So what does that mean now? That we all stand on equal ground in the presence of God. Can you give him some praise? Love is. Love is. The bottom line is this. And I'm closing. The ushers are already in place. My wife is making her way to the front to escort you out by your respective seating. And I want to say to you that the bottom line on love is this. It's on the screen right there. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He goes on to tell us in verse 19 of that same chapter, 1 John chapter 4. He goes on to tell us, we love him because he first loved us. Can you give him praise? 